Welcome to the Derek Prince Ministries podcast, helping you to grow stronger in God. For more than six decades, best-selling author and Bible teacher Derek Prince has been a source of inspiration for millions of believers around the world. You too can benefit from his compelling biblical insights. And now, Derek Prince. During this Easter season, which is now approaching, I've chosen a theme for my talks for the next four weeks, which will help you to understand more clearly the true significance of the death of Jesus and to enter more fully into all that he obtained for us by his death. The title that I've chosen for this special Easter theme is Identification, and I explained that. To identify with someone means to make yourself one with someone. This concept of identification is the key to a true understanding of the Easter message. There are two sides to this process of identification, like the two opposite sides of a single coin. On the one side, Jesus identified himself with us, with sinners, with the whole fallen human race. On the other side, we are invited to identify ourselves with Jesus in all that followed his death that is, burial, resurrection, and even ascension to the very throne of God. Today I'm going to speak about the ultimate purpose for which Jesus became the Son of Man, just how God's purpose could only be fulfilled in this way. Even the closest disciples of Jesus failed to understand this purpose until after his death and resurrection. Nevertheless, the whole plan of God was unfolded in amazing detail and accuracy by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before it was actually fulfilled in history. This prophetic revelation is contained in Isaiah chapter 53. In my message today, I'm going to read that entire chapter, but I'm going to read it in four successive sections, each section containing three verses. I'll begin now with the first three verses of Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, that's the arm of the Lord, this person, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Let's pick out just a few of the main features of that part of the prophetic revelation. See how they applied to Jesus. First of all, we're warned right at the beginning against unbelief. Who has believed our message? That's very important. The great barrier to understanding this is unbelief. And then we see that a person is unfolded who's called the arm of the Lord. The arm of the Lord is that part of God, if I may use that phrase, with which he acts, with which he operates, with which he performs his will. So this person is somehow God's main instrument to perform his will. And then it speaks about his own frailty. He was like a tender shoot. And you remember in my talk yesterday, I emphasized how the title Bar Enosh, Son of Man, in Aramaic, particularly focuses on human frailty. 
And then it speaks about the spiritual barrenness of the situation. He was like a root out of a dry ground. And then it emphasizes his humility as a person and also his social humility. He was not a prince. He was not a ruler. He was not from the priestly tribe or caste. He was just a humble man. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Furthermore, he went lower still. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Then we go on to the next three verses, verses 4, 5, and 6, about this same person, this Bar Enosh, this son of man. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This passage particularly emphasizes that the sufferings of Jesus on the cross, so vividly described there, were substitutionary. It was not for his own sake. It's emphasized all the way through. He took our infirmities. That first phrase in chapter 4, surely he took up our infirmities. The Hebrew language used particularly emphasizes the he. There's a form of speech I won't go into which places all the emphasis on the he. He took our infirmities. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. We all have gone astray. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we see that in everything that came upon Jesus on the cross, it was not that it was due to him. It was due to us, the judgment, the punishment, the humiliation, the shame. But though it was due to us, by divine appointment, it came upon him, upon Jesus, where it says the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That Hebrew word has laid on means has made to meet together. So the shame, the sin, the rebellion, and all the evil consequences thereof were made by God to meet upon Jesus. He became the last Adam, as I said in my talk yesterday, in him, the entire evil inheritance due to the sin of the Adamic race was exhausted. He left nothing that he did not take upon himself. He bore every burden. He was totally our substitute. He was our God-appointed representative, son of man, bearing in himself the perfect nature of humanity and all humanity's problems, griefs, and agonies. I'm going on now with Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7, 8, and 9. He, this Son of Man, was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. There are various things emphasized there, all of which applied with perfect accuracy to the trial 
and the death of Jesus. First of all, his innocence is consistently emphasized. It says in the closing verse, he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Also, it's emphasized that he did not attempt to defend himself or to plead his own cause. As a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He did not justify himself. He did not defend himself. He was the lamb laid willingly to the slaughter. Then it's emphasized that his trial was unjust. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. It was a judgment, but it was a judgment of oppression. It was unjust. And it emphasizes that he died. He was cut off from the land of the living, but he didn't die for himself, for the transgression of my people, Isaiah says. He was stricken. And then with amazing accuracy, it gives the details of his death. It says he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. But the remarkable fact is that in the original Hebrew, the word wicked is in the plural, but the word rich is singular. True enough, in the record of the Gospels, Jesus was crucified with the two thieves, the two wicked men, but then his tomb was the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, the one rich man. So we see every detail exactly fulfilled in Jesus. Now we go on to the last three verses, which sum it all up. Isaiah 53, verses 10, 11, and 12. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his soul or his life a guilt offering, he will seize offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life or his soul unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We see that although there was oppression and injustice, yet it was the fulfillment of God's purpose. It was the Lord's will to crush him. God had foreordained that it should be this way. Then we see by implication his resurrection. It has already spoken of his death, but it says after his death, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. That's after death. And then it says in the next verse, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And then it's emphasized that all this was to justify many, to acquit them of their guilt. It says, my righteous servant will justify many. And then it goes on to say, he will bear their iniquities. That's how justification or righteousness or acquittal is made possible to us. By the knowledge, Jesus, the Lord's righteous servant, bore our iniquities, suffered our punishment, and therefore turned away the wrath and the judgment of God from us. It says also that he poured out his life or his soul unto death. That's so vivid because in the Old Testament it says the soul or the life of the flesh is in the blood. And on the cross Jesus poured out his whole life, his entire blood as the sinner's substitute. It says also that he was numbered with the transgressors. We've pointed out already that he was crucified with the thieves. And finally that he made intercession for the transgressors. And that began even while he was on the cross. He said, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So you see how perfectly accurate in every detail is this amazing prophetic picture of Messiah's sufferings, the sufferings of the Son of Man, given 700 years before it took place. Thank you for listening. For more inspiring teaching, visit our website at dpmuk.org forward slash podcast and like our page at facebook.com forward slash dpmuk to join our online community. Derek Prince, teaching you can trust.